So let's go ahead and bring her on. Welcome in Margo to the Cyberly Show. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And everything looks great per the usual outfit. Everything's on point lighting. You, you got it all knocking it out of the park already. And and I mentioned a little bit of your resume earlier and, and you've spent years in this industry, but when did you first decide that you really wanted to start up a, a, a show of your own? You know, that's a great question. And honestly, it's the pandemic. The pandemic brought so many opportunities to us. And when it closed restaurants and it you couldn't travel. How are we going to get in front of our customers? How are we going to continue to put this industry news out there that people can utilize and really build up their own internal supply chain? And so what better way than to utilize LinkedIn as a platform and really go live and have these conversations with other entrepreneurs and supply chain leaders so that we could get our info out there? And so when you were thinking of, of starting the show, what was, there's so many nerves, I think, that goes into, you know, deciding that you're going to start a show, but then actually moving forward and launching it. Tell me a little bit about what that process looked like for you. Did you study other creators or did you just say, I'm just going to start and then we'll figure it out along the way? So I did a little bit of my homework. Shay Rowbottom is an influencer on LinkedIn and I love her content and she's really into video. And so that was my inspo to get into video. And I knew that I could just flip on a camera and kind of get started, but I really didn't feel good about it. And I wanted to make sure that I was really rolling this out with the confidence and support um, that that I could have. And so I connected with a public speaking coach And we worked through some of my self-limiting beliefs and I was more comfortable on camera and that really prepared me to launch this off. So I did a little bit of background homework to answer your question and that inspiration really drove me though to get started. Oh, that's super interesting. I, I didn't know that there are like coaches that that specialized in that. What, what I guess were some of the the tips or takeaways that you you had from working with that coach? They're really basic. So I think when you look at it, really start with the foundation. So even just hearing the sound of my voice or seeing my face on camera, I really had to become comfortable with that and watch each video afterwards, review and tweak things that I could do. It's really that you think, oh, well, that's super simple, but there's a lot of work that goes into that, especially because you look at some of these influencers and they're just natural on camera or the way that they speak is just so eloquent And so I really wanted to capture that while I'm bringing out this message. 100%. I think the first time I heard myself on air, I immediately shut off the radio because it was just too uncomfortable. I did not want to hear my own voice. And you have to really, you know, practice at it. And the only way you can get better is by listening to your own voice and getting over that initial like, oh God, I probably sound awful on air. But tell me a little bit about what the process looks like for you, you know, when you're publishing shows, because I I know that you, you you publish multiple times every single month. Do you have a, a weekly cadence? Like what goes on, you know, sort of behind the scenes as you're, you're planning a new show? Is it just you or do you have a team? Tell me a little bit about all that process. Yeah. So I'm very blessed. I actually have a team that I work with. And so this team is my production team. So they help me secure appointments to get guests onto the show, uh, people that I've been trying to reach out to. Uh, They run the show for me. So I'm really hands off. Essentially, I just need to show up and be present. And, you know, for some of these leaders out there that are doing the entire show themselves, hats off to them. 
I, I don't know how you do it. I'm a little bit ADHD. And so when I see something shiny, I'm, you know, pulled into a different direction. So it really helps me to focus and stay present in that conversation I'm having. Yeah, that's super smart and super important because you don't want to be trying to figure out, you know, tech issues while you're trying to also have a conversation with somebody and then put on the persona that nothing is fine, nothing is on fire, don't look around, you know, anywhere. Um, So when you are... When you're planning your content, you know, a lot of marketers will say that the the distribution, including myself, the distribution is the most important thing, but it's also probably my biggest weakness. And I know it's probably a weakness for other creators out there, but you really seem to have nailed it when it comes to, you know, creating, having a guest on the show and then the distribution process, you have social media clips and all that, that kind of stuff. Are you actively involved in that process too, or does the team really help you? And maybe, you know, that, that speaks to the strength of having a team behind you. Absolutely. No, it's, it is a strength of the team. And so what they do is we'll take a live and they go ahead and they review the live and they cut micro clips from that live. And from those micro clips, you know, you hear this wash, rinse, repeat model. That's really what we're doing. And so not only does your guest get some of those micro clips so they can relive that live experience with you and also put that out on their social, but uh, it creates content. And so I'm trying to post daily. My goal is to post on weekends. I do it sometime, but yeah, to answer your question, it's the team. If I didn't have my team, I don't know how I'd be able to get this all done. Now, a, a lot of folks out there, they they say they want to get started with podcasting. They say they want to start, you know, maybe a LinkedIn live show. What advice would you give to folks who are thinking about it kind of on the fence? What advice would you give to them about starting a LinkedIn live show? Connect with someone that's doing a live that inspires you. Uh, take notes, be open-minded. Try to do as much planning before going live as possible. I mean, you know, there are some lives that are very organic. The person pops in and uh, it seems really free flowing. But to me, a lot of the individuals that I'm networking with and that are in my community, they're strapped for time. They don't have a lot of time. And so I think when you add that planning in, you could get that live, that conversation and uh, really niche down to the points that you want to hit so that you could share that with your audience. And so whenever you, you know, there, there's, I think for me, it, there's a constant, especially when I try something new, um, there's always, you know, a, a little bit of imposter syndrome that, that comes into play. And I just, it was experiencing yesterday or even, you know, this morning, how do you, do you deal with, you know, common issues like that, like imposter syndrome and, and how do you sort of overcome those issues and just get to the point where you're going to be creating this content, no matter how scared you are? You know, what's interesting at first, when I heard of imposter syndrome, I was like, I don't think I've ever had that because you actually have to be really self-aware to understand what that is. Right. And so I realized in this journey, Margo, you know, you need to really sit down and be more self-aware and no, it, it does hit, I would say compare and despair, you know, compare and despair is uh, sitting in the passenger seat while imposter syndrome's driving. Uh, that one gets me a lot. Uh, I never feel good enough. And I always think that there's areas that I need to improve on, which is true. Uh, but to just kind of maybe relax and wallow in the gratitude or uh, where you've come in that journey uh, really helps me to kind of just settle back down and uh, get a grip on things. But most definitely, I feel that there could be someone else that's more meant for this than me. Um, or am I doing this right? Am I doing it the best way possible? But I, I really believe in my message and the message that my guests have. And so sharing that information is ultimately priceless, especially if we were able to change just one person's life, one person's supply chain. 
Well, well, and so I guess sort of related to that, you've done so many interviews and, and you've gotten a chance to speak with so many different people. Do you have a favorite interview? And if so, why? Oh, this is a good question. I think you know what? I've enjoyed the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's there's so many good ones. I feel like this. <laughs> You're right. And you know what, when you said, you know, the bad ones, the only one I could think of is when all of the audio and the Wi-Fi connection was an issue and it just, we shut down the live with, I think within like five minutes, but each guest has really changed my life in a, an incredible way to be able to connect with someone that's an industry expert and to leverage their expertise to make changes in your life and to be able to show that to your community is everything. And so I, I couldn't say that I have a favorite. They're all so different too, but very similar in that it all connects with leadership, entrepreneurship, sales, and supply chain. And so in related to that, you know, there's a lot of companies that that think about starting up a show that think, you know, oh, we need to get a podcast. And the first question that they ask themselves is, well, how many leads are we going to get from this? Or what's going to be the ROI of creating this show? And I, I think that ROI is different for everybody. It's different for every company or whether it's a personal brand or a company podcast. What does ROI look like for you? This is my favorite question, and I get super excited to answer this because when I first started this show, social not everyone loves social media. Not everyone's going to embrace a LinkedIn Live. And so I really had to fight for this spot and convince others that this was going to work and there was going to be immediate ROI on this. And so actually, within the first couple months, one of my guests, through a referral, uh, referred me this distribution business. And so we closed. It definitely paid for the show indefinitely. And to this day, I'm still getting referrals. And so not only the referrals from the guests, but people that have seen the micro clips, but no, it, within the first couple months. And I was so blessed because in the back of my mind, I was worried that I believe in this. I know it's going to work, but I've never done it. So I'm unsure. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting because I, I think it's it's not a direct ROI, right? It's a referral, and and you wouldn't be able to sort of measure that on any kind of you know uh, marketing software or or things like that. That is really just a direct like I talked to this person, they referred me, you know, to X Y Z, and then now they're now a business or a business relationship partner that you have evolved that relationship with, and I think that that's awesome. And so in re- I, switching gears a little bit to that that sales side of things. What does a typical day look like for you as, as director of sales? So it's really exciting because every day is absolutely different. I love working for NFI Industries. I really feel like I've found my place and my people. And the support here has been astronomical. So for example, I'm streaming right now from my Long Beach office, but I also have an office in Paramount uh, with part of my port services team. And so my at-home office as well. So Typically, every day is different. Most of the time, I try to start out of either the Long Beach or the Paramount office, but I also work from home. I spend a couple hours on administrative work, and then I'm out into the field and I'm meeting and greeting customers, which is my favorite thing to do. I absolutely love it. And then I finish my day off at home with some more admin work. 
And so what does, I guess, um, so you talk about your typical sort of week kind of or, or day versus week, but how does, I guess, content fit into that schedule? Is it just, you know, are you targeting a certain interview list and then you just make time for them? Or is it, you know, every Wednesday at this time, we are going to be going live no matter what. Tell me how content, I guess, fits into your normal workday. Because that's what everybody has. They're like, I, do, I already have a full-time job. I don't know how to fit content in here as well. So how do you do it? No, you're right. And it is, it's, it's, you have to be really detailed and aware of your time management. Uh, and so, and I forgot to mention whether it's a Harbor Trucking Association meeting, lunches, dinners, uh, Dodgers games, it is, it gets really busy, really fast. And so for me, what works is having a time slot every Thursday at 9am Pacific time. Uh, you know, I would also suggest that people wanting to get into this, if they can't have that one time slot, you could also set aside a day where maybe you do a couple pre-recorded lives and then just push those out. Uh, you know, there's so many options uh, with virtually meeting and having these virtual conversations that really allows us that flexibility that we're craving. So, you know, historically you, you've worked in a sales role for a variety of different companies. How have you seen, you know, the relationship between marketing and sales evolved? Because you're director of sales, but you could make the argument that what you're doing is marketing and sales. So how have you seen that those two roles and those two departments evolve with your time in the industry? It's like this love story, right? And it changes. So, you know, there's a honeymoon phase and then you go through this phase where you're getting used to each other. And then you really have to reignite that, that passion for, for your relationship. And so I've always been sales first and my last company, I really had to dive into the marketing aspect. And so I had to put my sales ego to the side and be open-minded and see how marketing really supports sales. Um, here at NFI, we have a full team of marketing professionals to support any marketing endeavor, which is really exciting. Uh, but those that don't have that ability, I would think really educate yourselves, reach out to any industry leaders that you look up to, inspire you, and just take notes. I think it's an ongoing process. And with marketing and sales, it's, you know, culture, people-based, and it's ever-changing. You know, I, I see the sign in the background of like the, your awesome neon light sign with your show. And I, I think that there's a lot of discussion around. I, I was just hearing about this discussion with uh, Spotify podcast hosts and they were exclusive to Spotify. And then Spotify pretty much takes the two original hosts off the show and adds in their own, you know, new hosts, which is, you know, creating a little bit of controversy in the podcast world. It comes down to, I guess, ownership of content. And so you've been able to successfully, you know, sort of take your show to different, not necessarily two different companies, but you're able to sort of own that brand yourself. D does NFI sort of, you know, offer any kind of help to you in regards to the show? Or is this really like your passion project that you're doing that you is important to your sales relationships? Yeah. So this is really my core passion project that I've taken along with me and my team, you know, we work so close together and we work on multiple projects, you know, in regards to sales and marketing. And so uh, NFI definitely supports the show and they support other content creators. You know, we're talking right now to other directors of sales that want to get more involved on social because I think it's really important. You know, I have a perspective and I'm out here in Los Angeles, but there's other people with different perspectives, not only geographically, but, um, you know, various levels in the organization that could really provide that value to our audience. And so NFI sees that and, you know, they're running with it as well. So it's pretty exciting. 
Oh, that's awesome. So I, I guess when you are consulting with, you know, some of these, you know, other directors of sales within a company or maybe, you know, other companies as well that are looking to get started, what are some of the, I guess, maybe stop gaps that they're experiencing or maybe things that are preventing them from starting their own show? People are freaked out about this. I mean, just like you, you asked me earlier, you know, how you, how did you get started? And I, I thought of the idea and it, it's just something I felt like we had to do, like we didn't have a choice. And, you know, I said I could be the host and no one else raised their hand. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is really going to go down. And people share that sentiment. So there's a lot of fear to being on camera, especially live. Um, and then, right, whatever I say, like, this is, it's not going to go away. You know, you're going to Google me and you're going to see this and see these conversations. And so I think that there's just a lot of fear. And so if you're able to kind of work through that fear and uh, build that self-confidence, you know, you could really do anything. And so when you are, you know, you, you, you sort of paving the way when it comes to creating freight content in this industry, and we, we've seen the growth just dramatically rise. I think I, I saw a list, uh, you know, two years ago that had like the top 20 podcasts in freight and half of them, you know, hadn't, you know, put out a new episode in, you know, the last six months, but now we're up to close to 100 top podcasts within this space. And so I think it's only going to continue to grow as far as a relationship building tactic. But then there's the other side of the coin with other relationship building tactics, and that's cold emailing and cold calling. Where do you see, you know, sort of the role of, you know, that, that, I guess, part of the job when it comes to freight sales within the space? It's my favorite. I love cold calling. It's literally my favorite thing to do because you never know what's going to happen. And this creates it into like a warm, right? So if you're able to find someone on social and they see your videos, they connect with you, it's it's really more of a warm call. And it's interesting because when I meet people face-to-face for the first time and they've seen my profile and they've seen my clips, it's like they know me and it's I love it. It's It's really awesome. I mean, I'll never forget... The first time I was at a trade show and someone yelled cargo Margo from across the room. I was so excited because I felt like I'm having an impact. That's awesome. Now you are one of the the few people that I've ever heard say I love cold calling. I think that I was on the opposite side of the fence when I was I was working at a freight brokerage. I heard these sales reps cold calling every day and I said that sounds like a nightmare. I never want to do that. So give us some of your your cold calling tips. Is does it is the content aspect, you know, really, you know, sort of the secret sauce to help you get in there or, you know, is cold calling you know, maybe I guess becoming less successful? What is your what is your read on on how cold calling is, works in this industry right now? Cold calling is where it all starts, right? You have to knock on that door. You have to open that relationship. And so you can warm up by checking out someone's profile, connecting with them, them, you know, allowing them into your world. But, you know, relationships are not just done, you know, behind a keyboard. You actually have to meet someone in person. And so when you knock on that door and you're persistent and they see that you're there, that really, like, I think creates that foundation, that, that, um, that connection that you want, that you're looking for. And so uh, back to, you know, sort of, I say back to, but we're, you know, kind of talking about marketing throughout this whole, whole show, but you're a really interesting case study on, on why you should start a show. You, you mentioned, you know, that being that warm intro, um, whenever you are making your cold calls, but do you have, I guess, maybe a favorite show from, or a favorite creator from within freight that you look towards, you know, for inspiration to sort of keep that motivation going? Yeah, I would say Shay Robonham is a huge inspiration for me and Joe Ingram. So Joe Ingram is the sales genius. And you know what? 
I lied and I'm sorry. I do have a favorite episode of my show and it's when I did, I did a sales, like, I guess it was like a sales panel and we talked about sales pitches, when to pitch and when to ditch the pitch. And it was so much fun. It was just a blast. And Joe was on that. So it just made me think of that, but yeah, no, he was a big inspiration for me. And he invited me. I met him on clubhouse when clubhouse was at its peak during the pandemic And he invited me to be on his show, The War Games, and I gave a presentation. And then I thought, I want to do this too. So thank you, Joe, for being that inspiration to me. Oh, that's a good story. So if if you had to, you know, we we got a couple minutes left here, but if you had to start a new business and create interest in sales for that business all from scratch, what platforms would you choose and why? Would it be a podcast? Would it be YouTube? Would it be strictly social media? What would be your path if you had to start from scratch? LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. I so love any, LinkedIn. I, no, I, I was going to say LinkedIn is, you know, it kind of, I don't want to say like made fun of, but some people do make fun of LinkedIn, but it's the the best place to get, you know, that, that, ins, that real like B2B leads, I think. And it sounds like you, you kind of echo that statement. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's what, over 70 million users, I believe. And on average, they make 70K annually. I mean, these are where the business decisions are happening. You know, you have Facebook and Instagram, and those are great platforms, uh, but you see a lot of family interaction, you know, maybe uh, some friends from high school and elementary school. But I think LinkedIn is where you're going to get some deals done. It's where the magic happens. And then last, well, second to last question, but second to last question, what is one, I guess, strategy or maybe social platform that you've been wanting to try, but it's just been on the back burner for a while? Ooh, TikTok. Any reason why you you have it started? Because I feel like your content would work really well there. I know. I love TikTok and I'm really into it. It's just, you know, going back to that, carving out the time. Uh, you know, and, and creating some type of plan, a strategy. So I think I need to start with a plan and a strategy. Um, and it shouldn't take me too long, but just diving into the, that platform would be great. And starting, I, I have the content, but like you said, I just, I am full of excuses right now. I don't even know what to tell you. Oh, it's, it's just, it's very intimidating and it's very humbling to start on a new platform with a new style of content. So, but I, I, I sing the praises of, of having so much fun on that platform. So I, I can't wait for you to join, but in the meantime, before you get your TikTok account, where can folks follow you follow Cargo Margo, um, all of that good stuff. Yeah. I would say, check out my LinkedIn profile. I'm very active on LinkedIn, or you could send me a text. My number is 310-906-6151. Oh, wow. Super brave. Giving your phone number out. <laughs> that's, that's how you, you, know, know it's, you it's, are in sales. <laughs> it's it's on my profile and I've only had, you know, positive. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, it's been good. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Margo. Looking forward to watching more of your work. And for the podcast listeners out there, we do have a link to your LinkedIn and show both in the comments or in the show description. So thank you again, Margo, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. 
You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blake Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!